Hi, everyone. Welcome to another fun-filled Request for Explanation episode. Today, we've got me, Carol Nichols. Me, Alexi Bangasner. Me, Manish Kuragalkar. And today, we're going to be talking about RFC 1937, which is question mark in Maine. And since this one is pretty small, we're also going to do a quick RFC news roundup. So let's get started. First, what is question mark for anyone who might not be aware? So question mark is what used to be the try macro. Um, basically, in Rust, you handle errors in two ways. If you have something that's a fatal programmer error that cannot be recovered from, you panic, which brings down the thread and calls destructors and stuff like that. Generally, panics are reserved for things where um, it was, if, if you reach this point, there's something probably wrong, and you don't know what the program should do, so the program should just crash. Um, and then you have result, which is the regular way of doing it, which is when, for example, if you want to say, um, is this key in, a ha in this, is this key in this hash map, and you want the oh, it is not in the hash map thing to return an error, you use this. Or, for example, if you do an HTTP request and it says uh, 404 not found, you want to return that as an error. You don't want to crash the program, you just return a result. And the result type can either be an OK, which means that everything went fine and contains the return type, or an error, in which case it contains an error and something went wrong. Because it's just an enum, you're forced to match on it if you ever want to extract something. Though, of course, like option, you're, you can just call unwrap on it if you want it to crash in case of an error. So what the try macro and what question mark do is they, they implement this pattern, which is like, if it is OK, then evaluate to the, in, the value contained in the OK. If it's an error, bubble it out, which is, which is basically it's a way of just basically bubbling out errors because you don't want to deal with the error at the point you are now. You'll deal with it out somewhere outside in the caller, but you want the value immediately. Yeah, so it's a, it's a really nice ergonomic way to, to uh, stop doing whatever you're doing if you hit an error, but if you don't hit an error, keep going. Um, and it, the, the question mark operator is one of my favorite things because it really cleans up your code, but it still makes it clear where stuff might be failing and where errors might be coming from, in my opinion. Um, but this, this RFC aims to address one of, the, one of the least nice things about question mark, which is if you try and use the question mark operator in main, currently you get this error message about the carrier tree. And I just want to apologize to everyone listening because that error message is terrible and not helpful. Um, and I think we've put off um, making the error message better because we wanted to do something like this RFC. So what does this RFC do? Uh, Manish, I think you have the best grasp on what this does. So what this RFC does is that it, um, it introduces a trait called termination. Um, and this, um, so 
actually, from a user's perspective, um, I'll first just mention what this does. But it means that you can write a function main that returns, it, right now it returns the empty tuple. But you can also have the function main return an integer or have it return a result. Or, well, maybe not an integer, but a bool or a result. And you can re return one out of a certain, certain set of types. Um, which means, so if you want to use question mark in main, you have the main function return a result. And then when you use a question mark, it'll bubble it out. And then the runtime will look at the error and create um, an error exit code instead of the regular uh, success code of zero. So from user's point of view, this means that you can write, you can just write more return types in main. Um, internally, what this does is that there's this trait called termination. And main can return any type that implements termination. And this termination trait um, has a function report which takes the return type and turns it into an exit code. And um, the RFC proposes a termination info for the empty tuple, because you're supposed to be able to return an empty tuple from main. Um, it, uh, it has an implementation of termination for um, the result type for any error that implements for any um, return result type where the um, OK value is also a termination value and the error type implements display. And what it does is that in the case of the OK value, it just looks at the OK value and produces an error message, uh, produces a return code based on that. In the case of the error value, it prints the error message and then exits its failure. And then it also adds an implementation for the never type um, and for the for boolean, I guess for boolean, um, if yeah, if it's true, it's success, and if it's false, it's failure. And more may be added in the future. Okay, so when I heard just the title question mark in main, I was imagining that I that I would literally have fn main, open paren, close paren open curly brace, and then I could call something with question mark on it, and that that would all work. But that's not quite the case here, right? Yeah, because then that would make function main a very weird function. Right now, you can call main wherever you want in your program, because it's just a normal function. Um, but if it returned a result type, then, um, I mean, if it if function main said it returned an empty tuple that actually returned a result, now it's no longer like a regular Rust function. It's a pretty weird blessed function. And that would be a bit weird to describe and deal yeah, with. Yeah, so it looks like what you would want for this minimal main with question mark is to return a change main to return a bool. And then OK will turn into true, and error will turn into false. OK. Right? I think, I think that's right. I, I'm not sure, actually. Um, well, you can you can write it to return a result. So here you can make it return a result. Make right, it return right. A but the, the the theoretical case we're considering is basically like, I really don't care. <laughs> yeah. What's the what's the least amount of change I would have to make to the uh, cargo new generated cargo new dash dash bin generated main function in order to be able to use question mark in main? Make it return result of um, empty tuple, as in result of the unit type and comma, uh, whatever error type you want. 
but bool doesn't do the same thing? You can return bool too, yeah. Uh, well, bool doesn't use the question mark, right? Then why is it, the RFC is saying it implements termination, why? Well, that's just so that um, you can start returning true and false from main just because, if you want to. This doesn't have to do with question mark. It's Weird like, to toss in there, but okay. I, I think it's like, we're letting you return cool new things from main. Um, bool is a pretty logical thing. Let's add that in. Um, I'm surprised they actually haven't added an implementation for integers because like, that's what the whole C and C++ ecosystem does, which is where main returns an integer, which is a return code. Right. It looks like there are some discussion on the, on the latest comments and on the tracking issue for the implementation that there's some discussion about error codes. Um, so that might, that might end up being added in the implementation. So it looks like it looks like rolling this out will will take a few releases. Do you do you have a sense of how that will work, Manish? I mean, I I don't think this really. So for the main thing, I mean, for question mark and main, there's really no backward compatibility concerns. Um, the concerns are there for the Rust talk generated stuff and for tests. Um, like Rust, for example, Rustdoc will wrap your code. If you write a doc, if you write some code in documentation right now, Rustdoc will wrap your code in a main function and run that as a test. Um, and currently, it just runs it as a test, and um, it's a regular main function that returns nothing. But now it will need to guess the signature of the main function, or it will need to unconditionally make the signature of the main function as uh, result and then anyone who's written dog tests that return the unit type will have to write make it return okay. So that's a backwards compatibility hazard right there and I don't know what they plan to do there. Um, however, they can also just make the doc test really smart and figure it out by having maybe it having it return like infiltrate or something. Impulse termination. Yeah, I guess that does work. Or yeah, so wait, does wait does that happen? I feel like inference will get mad. It will get mad, yes. So they'll have to make it smarter or something. I don't know. Um, it, it's not very clear what they plan to do for um, doc tests. I mean, the, the RFC just says that um, instead of writing a function main that returns a unit, it will write a function main that returns result of unit comma error. Um, but they will have to like, yeah, there's a bunch of feature gates and they'll decide what the error type is during that. So, um, yeah, they have this multi-phase deployment sequence planned. Um, so, they, I think they plan, they've deferred that decision until later exactly how that's going to work. So, it, it seems like there's a bunch of questions to still resolve during implementation. And this, this RFC has just been merged, but not, it's not, implementation has not begun yet, as far as I can tell. Does that sound right? I don't think, I don't think implementation has started yet, yeah. Okay. Um, the tracking issue, I mean, it merged seven days ago, and yeah. 
the implementation seems to mostly be straightforward, but no one has started it yet. And it looks like we might argue about what that trait is called, whether it's called termination or not. Um, I'm definitely concerned with error messages and making sure that those uh, guide you to adding the result type to your return to the return type of your function, if that's what you're trying to do. Um, and I bet we'll argue about whether the cargo new dash bin generated main will have this the result type or not. Um, I'd probably no. lean towards doing that to make people make it easier for people to get started with Rust and um, make code that you might, if everyone starts using question mark in their doc tests and their examples, I'd want those examples to be usable out of the box, be able to copy paste that right into my cargo new generated main and use those. Um, so yeah, I, I bet we have arguments about that. Actually, on that note, I, I do think that, um, so currently all RFCs have to have a how do we teach this section. I think that for um, language RFCs, we should also have a how do we error message this section, which is basically yes. a list of the possible errors and what kind of error messages will be there. It's not necessary that these error messages be implemented when we first implement the RFC. But it should be a strong require. It should be a stronger requirement as you start stabilizing it that most of the error messages from the RFC should be there, or some equivalent error messages should be there. Or at least like thinking about what the error cases would be and what the error messages should be guiding people to do. Yes. Yeah. And like writing error messages like that is actually pretty low hanging fruit. It's just that we often just forget to do that. So that's kind of related to, did we, it's kind of related to something I wanted to touch on in the RFC news roundup. Did we have anything else we wanted to talk about with question mark and main? Um, not really. There's the lang start part of the RFC, but um, nobody uses lang start right now, so I don't think we need to go over that. You were kind of like, ooh, lang start. Well, I, I like weird things that nobody uses. But um, I don't think we need to go through that. It just basically just makes a lang item um, generic so that it can work with this. That's fine. Doesn't but, the lang start change have an implication for like assembly-based implementations of your start? Why would it? Is, is something called before lang start? No, lang start, uh, well, there's a tiny bit of code that, you know, takes argc, argv, and the pointer domain and passes to lang start, and that's it. So, um, okay, since we seem to be talking about this, just for reference, main is not actually the function that gets called first when you start a Rust program. There's an, inbuilt, there's an inbuilt function called lang start. Um, it's a lang item, and you can replace it if you want. And this defines the runtime. The standard Rust lang start does an extremely basic thing where 
it sets up some panic handlers. It sets up um, thread local state, and that's about it. So it's a very bare runtime, but you could even initialize your garbage collector there if you wanted or do something really heavy. So because this affects how main works, this also affects how lang start works. And what the RFC does is that it makes lang start uh, generic so that it's, it takes a T colon termination instead of just taking a raw pointer to main. Interesting. And yeah, way, way more detailed than, than I like to think about how Rust works. <laughs> yeah. Lang start is something you really rarely need to use unless you're basically designing your own version of Rust that does its own things, like Rust with garbage collection. I'll keep that in mind for when I write my own Rusts. Never. Okay. So is that it then? Um, question mark. Okay. So the the related thing that I wanted to talk about is an RFC that's in its final comment period right now, which it's not a full RFC. It's just a pull request to the template that changes how do we teach this and the detailed design sections to switch the orders and the how do we teach this kind of becomes a guide level explanation and the detailed design becomes a reference level explanation. This is something I proposed and iterated on a little bit with Aaron and Yehuda to because uh, I think people have been slacking on the how do we teach this section. Aaron, Aaron said he gets tired by the end, like he spends a lot of energy on the detailed design section and then is kind of tired by the time he gets to the how do we teach this. So that was the motivation behind switching the order. And then rather than framing it as, as talking about how we teach this in the meta sense, the guide level explanation is actually going to teach it to you as if it was already existing which I think will be way more useful to people looking to get involved in the RFC process and, um, and set us up for actually producing documentation from an RFC. Uh, oh, this so is great. I'm super excited about this change. Um, yeah. So, yeah, go. It, it makes sense to me because like, when you write an RFC or when you're reading an RFC, once you get past the detailed design section, it's like, how do I teach this? I already taught you this in like excruciating detail. Why are you asking? Yes. But now it's much more logical, and I hope the guide section goes first so that it's like yeah. you. Yeah. Definitely. There's a little bit of other tweaks we made. Like um, the alternative section is now kind of rationale and alternatives, like talking about why you chose this particular solution out of all the alternatives. Yeah, that's always what the alternatives have kind of been in practice. So it's yeah. probably good to spell that out. So I'm super excited about that. Um, another one that's in final comment period is licensing the RFC's repo, all the content in it, as MIT and Apache 2 similarly surpassed itself. Um, this is important because we didn't have any license on it before. So all the content that's currently in there is kind of under the GitHub license, the GitHub terms of use. And 
we learned that this is actually preventing some people from contributing because of their company's policies. Um, so I fully expect this to go to make it through final common period and get merged, after which point we're going to have to do a funding of getting everyone to agree. Ow. Go ahead. It merged in the two minutes you were talking about what? it. Yes. Wow. A request for explanations first, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone, is that something, a momentous occasion that happened while we were talking about the thing. That's we're exciting. so cutting edge. Yes. Okay, so that's merged, and so now, so now we have to go back and uh, try and get as many people who have contributed to the repo in the past to agree explicitly that um, their content can be licensed under the new license terms, and every RFC submitted from here forward will be licensed as such. So that will be fun. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention is the ePoach uh, RFC about the EPOC uh, proposal that we discussed a few episodes back with Aaron. Um, Aaron was going to rewrite the RFC, mostly just changing what how we talked about it. To it, I was excited about this because. The RFC that's out there started with Rust will never go to 2.0, and Aaron was going to close that one and open another one that says Rust is going to 2.0, <laughs> because it was mostly just changing um, how we talked about it. And there's still there's still a lot of discussion going on in the comments, which there's a lot of comments on that one now. But you scroll all the way down to the bottom and wait for your browser to catch up. Um, <laughs> It, there, there's a discussion on whether it's easier to understand if we if we talk about this in the sense of well, there's going to be Rust 2.0, but it'll it'll continue to compile all the Rust 1.0 code, or if the epochs and saying this is like what C++ does is easier to understand in that bite-sized explanation. So if you have opinions on that, um, go check out the latest discussion and possibly weigh in. Do either of you have any RFC news? The zero size type RFC got um, rejected, and I'm sort of happy about that because. Wait, what was this RFC? Um, there was an RFC for making a reference to a zero size type itself zero sized. Oh my, that was still open. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> like a few days ago. I mean, the problem with that is basically we have a ton of unsafe code that relies on a reference to zero, like all references being just pointers. And breaking that will break a lot of unsafe code and assumptions. So, um, yeah. It's also like so low value. <laughs> yes. Okay, sounds good. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about an ERFC. So you'll have to tune in to hear what that's all about. Thank you for listening.